Welcome to Keep the Republic with Daniel Bobinski, editor of True Idaho News. Keep the Republic is brought to you by the Political Action Committee, Conservatives of. And now, here's Daniel. Well, hello and welcome to Keep the Republic. This is Dr. Daniel Bobinski here with True Idaho News, your host for the next half an hour as we discuss issues facing Idaho from a Judeo-Christian perspective. I thank you so much for tuning in. With, a, with us again in studio this week is William Jasper, editor, senior editor at The New American, and Tom Munns, who is the regional coordinator for the John Bird Society. But before we bring them back into the show, a couple of housekeeping issues. If you would like to listen to this show again, you can go to 941thevoice.com that's 941thevoice.com click on the archives click on Keep the Republic and you can listen to this again or share it with your friends which I encourage you to do. You can also listen to Keep the Republic on Brighteon Radio, that's at 9 o'clock Mountain Time on brighteonradio.com and of course we have a Keep the Republic TV show that's on every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Mountain Time at brighteon.tv it's a, it's a live show. It's an hour-long show talking about how, what we can do to help keep the republic. Of course, I always encourage you to go to trueidahonews.com and subscribe for free because all you got to do is punch in your email address. You're going to get an email once a week with links to the different articles we put up on the True Idaho News website. So you can keep uh, focused on what's happening from a very true perspective, not a spin perspective. Uh, very biased <laughs> to Judeo-Christian perspective, but we're always going to be honest with you about things. So as we uh, talked about last week in the studio, uh, we had uh, Bill and uh, Tom with us in the studio last week. We've decided to carry over and keep talking about things. I'm very fortunate and blessed to have you guys both in the studio. My original plan was to have have Tom in the studio talking about some things, and I, and I spoke a couple weeks ago at the Northwest Liberty Academy, and Bill was also a speaker there, and I said, hey, why don't you come in the studio, because you've been on the show before. Uh, so, Bill Jasper, welcome back to Keep Thank the you. Republic. Thank you. And Tom, welcome back. Thanks, Daniel. It's great being here. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are, we are talking about, uh, we're going to pick up this conversation that we had uh, last week about these windmills. Uh, for those that don't know, I would encourage you to go back to the archives at 941 The Voice. Listen to the first show about the, uh, the windmills that have been uh, proposed for three different counties in southern Idaho. Over 400 windmills. They're each going to be over 700 feet tall. And I think if we get enough people educated about what's really going on, and how the landscape of Idaho is going to be very different, as well as some other things that we can talk about, we might be able to put a stop to this, uh, what I would say, environmental catastrophe for southern Idaho. Tom, you had written an, uh, a little bit, and you had done some video work about this. Uh, give us, uh, for those that didn't, that didn't hear last week, give us a real brief overview of that video that you did. Well, basically, it was it was taking the information that I got on two separate sheets of paper, and it was basically just sharing it, tried to get uh, people to... Uh, gain some traction on the issue. I clearly have done my research enough for years uh, after reading Bill's um, uh, articles <laughs> for so long, too, by the way, and it didn't take long for us to connect the dots. And one of those things was, uh, you know, I was connecting the windmill situation, the windmill project, um, with something that began a long time ago that Bill can much uh, better elaborate on than I can, but it really goes back to Agenda 21. 
Uh, it's later known or more recently known as things like the Great Reset or Build Back Better or or the environmental movement or or the Green New Deal or whatever and it's funny because the 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 word the phrase Agenda 21 is very very um, well it's not very well known among most of the people and so what I want to do is I want to be able to not point out the windmills themselves as a, as a separate issue, what I want to be able to do is to be able to take the variety of separate issues that we have and try to bring them together so people can start seeing the bigger picture. Because it is part of a bigger picture. It's a huge picture, yes. Yeah. I mean, it is the Great Reset where, every, where they are literally re-blueprinting the entire globe. Well, I'm reading an article here. It says the renewable wind projects are a critical component of the Biden-Harris administration's commitment to confronting climate change and promoting clean air and water for our current and future generations. Uh, This is a a quote from the Interior Secretary, Deb Haaland. We've got people who, as you say, don't know much about Agenda 21. They don't know much about the Great Reset. They're told it's a conspiracy theory. And yet we have Klaus Schwab, who runs the World Economic Forum. He has a book out called The Great Reset. It's not a theory. He's out there talking about it. You can go to the videos on YouTube and see the guy talking about it. And he's bragging that he has, and I'm using his word, penetrated the cabinets of multiple countries around the world. With their young global leaders, uh, and then he names uh, uh, quite a number of them, including Justin Trudeau, uh, Emmanuel Macron, Angela Merkel. Uh, he names a number of them, and he said even with Justin Trudeau, he says even half of his cabinet are our people who've been trained in our young global leaders. Right. So here we have the prime minister of Canada, and we got the uh, fr- fr- French president and German, and they've all been, uh, so we say, trained. Groomed. Guy, that's a much better word. Groomed by this one world philosophy with the World Economic Forum. And this is the change that we're seeing. And what you're saying, Tom, is that these uh, windmills are just like the the... A symptom of a much bigger problem. Well, there. It's funny because one of the questions I had had in myself is, how do I explain to people what the implementation infrastructure looks like of this project? Can you tell what a smart growth city looks like? Can you tell what the wetlands project looks like? Can you tell what public-private partnerships look like? A lot of that stuff you can't really see unless you've read the material enough to be able to know what it looks like. So I can identify those things. The task before me now is how to be able to help other people be able to identify those. And the windmill projects just happens to be one of those things. Yeah. So, so let, let's, let's do a real brief uh, review. Uh, this, this is a project that's putting up over 400 windmills, over 700 and, uh, feet tall, 740 feet tall uh, in Jerome, Lincoln, and Minidoka counties. And they're going to be sending that electricity, get this, down to Clark County, Nevada, and Southern California. Bill, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this is this is typical. Uh, what we see with Agenda 21 and all of these global plans is that the big global billionaires and their uh, corporate uh, mega donor buddies and their communist Chinese uh, comrades – uh, all are they have their grand plans, their grand visions for how we're going how we should live. And they have their plans and they're just steamrolling over local governments, uh, state governments. And uh, they're doing that by bribing, buying off politicians. Um, and uh, you know, I was at I was one of the probably the only conservative, 
reporter at the Earth Summit in 1992 in Rio de Janeiro, where Agenda 21 was born. Uh, that was the big uh, first global plan for reset. The, the, the chairman of the co-chairman of that were Maury Strong, who is a World Economic Forum uh, billionaire, and Mikhail Gorbachev, the communist <laughs> leader of Russia. Mm-hmm. And so when I brought back a copy of Agenda 21, which was a thousand, over a thousand pages long at that time, and I was talking to members of Congress about it, they didn't have the slightest idea of what it was. They said, oh, well, we've never even heard of it. And I said, well, uh, your, your president, President Bush, senior, uh, signed on to it. So uh, it's, it's real. And I went on a nationwide tour exposing it. And back at that time, that's 30 years ago, people were saying, uh, that sounds like something out of, out of some uh, fantasy or storybook. You don't, <laughs> you're not serious. And they're calling it some sort of whipped up theory. But now, I mean, it's, it's absolutely all documented. And, and when they're speaking among themselves, they're very bold about proclaiming this at the World Economic Forum. And then when it gets down to actually meeting the, where the rubber meets the road, then they deny that it's, uh, and people get outraged about how it's unfolding in their local communities. They say, oh, no, 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 you, it's, there's, there's nothing like that happening. Our big danger here in southern Idaho is the news media, uh, the, the TV stations where you have reporters who will get on the air and say, oh, that's no big deal. Uh, they're making a big deal out of nothing. This isn't going to hurt anybody. And they're just lulling people to sleep. Yeah, the same folks that want to outlaw uh, farmers and ranchers who have their cattle, who they say are walking across a stream and are destroying the the habitat of some furbish lousewort or, or other so-called endangered species. Where are they now when we have uh, these mega projects uh, rapaciously devastating the whole countryside? You know, I'm hearing crickets. No, no, no uh, outrage from from the outrage law. Because it's not like you just come in with this big 700 foot uh, turbine and just set it down. You've got to tear up the land. You've got to pour lots of concrete. You got to dig lots of. You got to build what they're estimating 380 miles of roads. Oh yeah, huge. Uh, I've been to some of these projects before, and you see, they have to do a, a, a whole whole scale revision of the whole landscape. So, and, I mean, it's, it's no small matter, and it's, it, it certainly ain't green. No, it's not. It's not. Despite what they'll try to tell us, yes. it's not green. I'm looking at this uh, article here from windwatch.org. It's as if constructed. The Lava Ridge Project, that's what they're calling this project, is going to bring in these 400-plus large windmills, wind power sites. Uh, it'll stretch the uh, Bureau of Land Management and State Property across Lincoln, Jerome, and Minidoka counties. And the proposed estimate cost is $1 billion. Uh, they're bragging it's going to bring 700 jobs. And then they say, oh, and it's going to have then, after the construction of 700 jobs, it's going to drop it down to 20 jobs to maintain it. Even the 700 jobs we know from past, they bring a lot of that labor in. It, and Even if it were all local labor, uh, would it be worth it? Uh, I, I don't think so. And the people in those counties are, and some of these articles I'm reading about this, are saying, we don't care about the tax benefit. They're saying, well, you, but you're going to get all these taxes that are going to help you. It's like, we don't care. The tax benefits are promises. The destruction is real. It, it's very real. So here is Lincoln County Commissioner Ray Hubert has said, the more I learn, 
Uh, the more I have to admit, I, don't, I am not in favor of this. It's just like our whole South view is going to be destroyed with windmills. Because I understand their purpose, but it's very disheartening. I happen to agree. Uh, so what are some of the things we could do, right? We can get people educated about this, which is why I asked Tom to come on the show to begin with, is to talk about this so that our listeners can hear about it. And I'm going to encourage people to get connected with people who live in that area. And even those in the valleys over in, uh, in, in Pocatello here, Wood River Valley and over in Pocatello to say, hey, we don't want our landscape to be destroyed. As I said in the last show, you know, I used to drive between Pocatello and Boise and I, I, at Massacre Rocks area is just beautiful at State Park. And now you drive through there and it's all windmills and it's just disheartening. All the natural beauty is gone. Yeah, and, and you can expect more of it if they get this punched through. Uh, they're doing this uh, all over the country. You know, they're doing it uh, offshore, uh, these huge wind farms offshore, which are even more costly and more impractical and less efficient. And so the lunacy of this, it, it seems, knows no bounds. They are going to push this uh, as far as they can go. They, they want to destroy all of our fossil fuel industry and make us totally dependent on wind and solar. I am going, I am calling this the controlled demolition of America. And I was, that, that's a good term. That's for not it. a term that I'm, that I have come up with myself. It's just reading these things where they're saying, and if they destroy the, uh, the fabric of America right now, which is what they all want to do, so they can and they can enact their one world globalist government. And this is their plan. It's, it's stated. This is not conjecture. Uh, then if they do it all at once, then the people who have the billions and billions of dollars will also take huge losses. So what they're doing is it's a controlled demolition as they take it apart piece by piece. And as it's falling apart, those with all the money are seeing where they can capitalize and then reinvesting and moving their resources in the places they can, they can keep their money, while the rest of us are suffering the consequences of $6 gas, et cetera, et cetera. That is, uh, I think, very sad. And the fact that we have a governor who claims the label of conservative, it was all over his campaign literature, uh, how he's so conservative, he's been pushing this. And yet you have a governor who is being uh, bragged about by Joe Biden for his policies. And our, our soon-to-be lieutenant governor has also been in that same boat, uh, moving to help these things come about not looking out for the best interests of Idaho, but looking out for the interests of big business and for the globalist, uh, shall we say, I want to say the globalist agenda, but it almost seems too trite. It's the globalist mechanization that takes our country apart, that takes our way of life into becoming um, subservient to a larger uh, global cabal. What are your thoughts on that, Tom? There's, there's a lot to unpack there. You know, I... I I love part of the job that, that I love to do is I love to be able to try to bring some continuity, um, not only to um, with current events as they relate to each other, uh, but the biblical significance of the current events that we face as well. And I think ultimately what's really important before we, as we digest the information that we have and we determine what to do, uh, is to be able to uh, to be able to answer a question. I think that I had also posted on Facebook in one of my more philosophical moments, but it was to be able to ask. Um, it was to be able to ask if, if Jesus was an activist. If Jesus was an activist, what would he have done? Now, granted, you and I obviously believe he's an activist, right? But he created disciples, right? 
That's so what? So what did he do with his disciples? You know, he he wanted them to be able to follow him and to be able to and to be able to emulate him, which is the job that we're supposed to be doing here on earth, right? So when we look at that, the way the best way to be able to try to connect something like this is to become enough of a Christian and at least to read enough of our scriptures and to become attached enough spiritually and intellectually to be able to understand what we're facing right now is a global conspiracy of ginormous proportions. Now, although that's important, the other thing that's really important to understand is globalism is the absolute antithesis of God. Mm. That's what it is. And so what you're looking at is it's anti-freedom. God talks about freedom, and God talks about liberty, and God talks about, in Isaiah, I think it's 33, where he talks about the three branches of government, which one can only conclude is our three branches of government that we have in America. The other part is that it's pro-Satanist. We're starting to see now Satan worshipers that are coming out. They're now doing unbaptisms, and they're doing all of that. All of that is part of the very thing that we're talking about right now. It's just another separate issue that hasn't yet been connected for the average soul that's just learning about this topic. And so it's also pro-slavery. You know, we talk about slavery. It's very appropriate with the Juneteenth, of course, and how they've managed to, to, to manipulate that to their own will as well. But really what we're talking about is we're talking about global bondage. And we're talking about us being um, subservient to a global hierarchy, uh, oligarchy, if you will. Uh, and this is the essence of, of why I believe this is a great venue to be able to have this. Because if we can activate Christians like we did during the Black regim- Robe Regiment periods, and we can look at the fact and realize the fact that not only this country, if there was any question on its, on its Judeo-Christian principles, we have churches on almost every corner. I believe that if we could activate the churches with the proper information that we need to do, I believe that it would be a lot, I believe that success would come a lot sooner than, than otherwise. Amen. Amen. It, it's about repentance and getting God back in charge. Bill. Yeah, and you know, Daniel, uh, what uh, Tom was saying about uh, the satanic element, this is not hyperbole. Uh, the, we're seeing that more and more with the uh, satanic temple here in Idaho, up where I live, the satanic temple uh, has now done the uh, adopt a highway as they have down here on the southeastern part of, of Idaho. So going in and out of Coeur d'Alene, they put a, a satanic temple, adopt a highway, uh, both uh, entering and exiting uh, Coeur d'Alene. And they had their co-sponsorship of the LGBTQ pride in the park there. Uh, and this is being... Uh, promoted by what we referred to earlier, the World Economic Forum. Uh, the World Economic Forum has as one of their main spokesmen the Israeli historian uh, Noah Yuval Noah Harari, right. who is a self-proclaimed militant atheist, who is also a homosexual, who is quote-unquote married to another man, and he is militantly promoting that he's a guru to many of the elites he's featured on numerous television and radio programs podcasts uh he seems to be an intellectual because he he has his books uh homo deus you know where man is god and he claims there is no god up there in the clouds he says god is in you he says you are gods and we are gods and he wants to so this is the hubris of the World Economic Forum people. They believe that they are gods because they're so rich and powerful and they want to 
remake the world in their image. Right. And so uh, Yuval Noah Harari uh, is a transhumanist as well. Mm -hmm. And both him and Mr. Klaus Schwab uh, with the World Economic Forum, they talk about uh, your body, it will be programmable, that they're talking about implanting with chips. We're going to hack your body. We can... can, implant thoughts into you we can monitor what you're thinking even uh any thoughts or feelings that you're having and for anybody who doubts this just go to youtube because they're all over youtube right just go to just go punch up yuval it's it's y-u-v-a-l yuval noah harari and listen to some of his tapes and the man is he sounds like a james bond villain in fact you know when you look at it, you go are these folks for real why would they be putting this out there, it, it's revolting to any person with common sense, common decency, and any sense of adherence to liberty. It, it's like he's a James Bond villain exactly. saying, we're just yeah. going to take over your mind, we're going to control you. And, and yet you have all of these uh, people at colleges and whatnot that just seem to adore him mm-hmm. and sit at his feet. And I think it's like what, what, what Tom, what you were talking about, is that we have to return to the discipleship of ourselves, get before God and say, what do you want me to do? And I had this conversation recently with, with, with Dr. Duke Pest on his show, uh, talking about how we need to take responsibility. People in our country talk about their rights, their desire for rights. But those rights come as a result of us being responsible. And you go back to the book of Judges, to when you had the families and the the head of the household, making sure that the family is accountable to God. And then you read in Leviticus 26 that if they were accountable to God, then God would bless them. If they did all the things that he wanted, and then they would be blessed as a family. Because they took the responsibility to do that, then they got the right and the freedom that they were looking for. And when they gave up that responsibility and they started doing things that they wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do, that's when the enemies came in and took over and you had to have a collapse and you had to have the judges go back to a war and fight and then restore things. And it was a big cycle. But I think you nailed it, Tom. That is what we need to do is restore our discipleship practices in the church not just focus on the pastor, please. I, I sometimes refer to it as the cult of the pastor. Mm-hmm. We have to get out of that. We've got to get the whole body of the believers practicing discipleship and sharing the word of God and repenting of the sins. And that is what God asks us to do in Second Chronicles. It, it's asked over and over again. And then he heals our land and not until. So it, I love I, I I love what you were saying because uh, and obviously we like to be you know accepted for what we think is is accurate which is also helpful for me uh, since all of this stuff is coming at us so hard and we're not really experts we're just people that care and we're trying to work it out well Bill's an expert but um, you know <laughs> but you know the, the funny thing that I had uh, when I was mentioning the thing that I had written the other day about Jesus activists it's like if I were to apply this in my own life it would seem to me that that if I claim to be a Christian, I would have to understand what that means. It's kind of like being American, right? We have to understand what being an American is. Well, what I'm finding out is we have so many people that claim to be Christian patriots, but yet when you see their actions and and their words, they're completely inconsistent, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, if we have Satanism that's busting our door down doing unbaptisms, in a, in a nation that was founded on biblical principles, and you got most people that claim they're Christians. 
Now, to my knowledge, with all the Christian friends I have, I do not see the Christian outreach that I believe that I should expect. So the parallel that I had was I'm a freedom activist. It's very difficult for me to keep my priorities in line, and I openly admit that because it's something that I have to forcefully do because I automatically gravitate to more of what I know and more than what needs to be done. But the connection should be made um, or considered about being a freedom activist. If we don't know, if we don't know the principles of being a Christian, we're going to be reluctant to be able to talk about those with other people because we think that people are going to think we're stupid. Is it not the same way with freedom activists and why they're not active? In the case of being a Christian, you're looking at going out there and accepting the Lord as your, you know, um, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then going out and and trying to 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 get other people to be able to 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 learn about what uh, how it's changed your life. But yet the very same instance that we have deals directly with the freedom activists. So the weird thing for me is, is that people ask me all the time, they're like, well, Tom, you know, I don't know what to do. It's like, well, if you're a Christian, you should know what to do because Christ has already told you what to do. And the biblical and, and, the, and the scriptures are already there to identify that. I'm going to go back to the need for more discipleship in our churches. That's what I want to do. It, it's almost like, you know, because I've been, I've been working in industry and business for 30 plus years. And when you onboard somebody to a business, you don't just say, okay, here's your job, go. Here's the instruction manual. Let me know if you've got a question. A good business is going to take a new employee and train that person and give that person a mentor and put it through a process of transferring knowledge, skills, and attitudes and measuring what is the gap analysis. What do you know? What do you need to know? What do I need to train you? And I think that's where churches are falling down horribly in our country. Well, it's it's obvious uh, when you look around. We're a Christian nation, supposedly. We got millions, a couple hundred million people who identify as Christians, and yet we have abortions, uh, you know, just running rampant across our land. We have abortion clinics, so-called clinics, abortuaries, within walking distance of half a dozen churches in most in most cities. Mm. Uh, we have. Uh, pornography uh, running rampant through uh, throughout our society and all, all the other evils that obviously if we if Christians were really on fire Christians we wouldn't be having this in in our society our children would not be subjected to drag queen story hours our libraries would not be filled with that kind of uh, filth so what I think you're what uh, Tom is hitting on is that not only is it the sins we commit, that is the evil that we do, but it's the good that we fail to do because that is what we're called to as well. We will be judged on that uh, as well as abstaining from sin. God has put us here for a purpose and we're supposed to do good and it comes in many forms. Mm -hmm. It does. Guys, I am uh, saddened. I'm looking at the clock and we're, we are out of time went fast it did and you guys are great to talk to uh i'm i'm so thankful that you guys can be so if you by the way if you're just tuning in we've been talking with uh, bill jasper senior editor at the new american magazine and tom munns who is a regional uh coordinator for the john bird society and you guys have been so inspirational i think to talk about the need for a return to the roots and here uh, how do you marry the current issues facing us today 
to our Christian foundation. Uh, you have been tuned in to Keep the Republic Radio here on KBXL. This is Dr. Daniel Bobinski, and I'm going to encourage you to go to 941thevoice.com and share this video. You can you can open up the archives, find the link to this particular video, uh, this particular audio, and share it with your friends because people need to hear these truths. I thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Until then, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to Keep the Republic. If you'd like to support this broadcast and help fund Christian conservative candidates, visit conservativesof.com. Also, please pray for our republic and for godly men and women who will work to keep it.